Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. And from the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and eliminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Dioro. Thank you, Charlotte, for our guest today. Let's welcome Ina Braverman, an Israeli entrepreneur and co-founder of EchoWave Power, a renewable energy company. EchoWave Power is an advanced and innovative international wave power developer headquartered in Israel. The company was established after a period of conceptualizing and planning for a new and competitive wave energy technology. Ina was also recently chosen as one of the 100 most influential individuals in the world by Medium.com, along with Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, and others. For more information, feel free to visit EchoWavePower.com. That's EchoWavePower.com. Hello, Ina. Really excited and honored to have you on the Modern Architect Show today. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Where do we begin with this? I mean, I know you've probably told the story many, many times, but if you can go back, mm-hmm. I like to start it with, if you can go back as far as you can, if there was mm-hmm. any galvanizing moment or moment that you really can look back and see where you are now and kind of go back and say, you know what, I, I really envision this. If I really put it together, maybe it's not exactly like you had envisioned, but where mm-hmm. you saw how your life would take you from now and uh, to as young as you can recall to capture kind of your the essence of who Ina is. Listen, the capture of who Ina is, I think, in connection to EcoWave Power is, uh, I think, the starting moment is really kind of my birthday, which uh, I was born, as you probably know, on the 11th of April, uh, 1986. And I was born, uh, although I live in Israel, I was born in Ukraine. Uh, two weeks after I was born, the Chernobyl nuclear reactor exploded, causing the worst uh, nuclear disaster in history in terms of costs and casualties. And uh, I was, uh, because of the impact of the explosion, there was a very significant air pollution that was originally hid by the authorities. So they decided not to update the population uh, nearby regarding uh, the explosion. So I was actually one of the babies that uh, had negative impact from the explosion and I had a respiratory arrest and a clinical death. Uh, luckily, my mom, that was a nurse, gave me a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and on time, and she approached my crib. She saw I'm blue and pale and not breathing, and uh, she gave me a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation that saved my life. 
So, of course, as a baby, I didn't know that uh, my passion and, uh, you know, what I do would become uh, wave energy, but that's, I think, definitely a moment that influenced the rest of my life. Since when you have your first chance in life taken away by kind of the polluting or the dangerous energy sources, I think uh, you're very clearly passionate about, you know, doing something good for the world in your second chance in life. Oh, that's amazing. Interesting that um, that it's waves, although you're, you're talking about your breath. Literally, you ran out of breath, but the waves are, are like breathing. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Maybe I'm reaching a little bit, but they come, <laughs> they, come, they, they come and they go out. They go in, they come out. They go in, they come out. So in, in effect, it is like it's like the breath of life. Uh, yeah, listen, I didn't think about uh, this kind of uh, comparison, but yeah, I guess. But uh, the difference is that, you know, the human breath sometimes, you can run out of breath and you can never run out of waves. So maybe oh, that's for the advantage of waves. Yeah, so waves started. So uh, we understand, just for our audience, you've probably told this story many, many times and I've heard it. But please, for our audience, share with us, you know, how, how you came across what your endeavors that you're doing, your endeavor that you're doing now. So uh, basically I'm the one of the founders. The second founder is David Lab of a, a company called uh, EcoWave Power. Uh, we developed a unique technology for generation of clean electricity from ocean and sea waves. Uh, basically we have uh, unique floater shapes that we attach to different breakwaters, piers and other types of ocean structures. So the floaters are going up and down with the movement of the waves and they're pushing a hydro cylinder which transmits biodegradable fluid into land-located accumulators. The pressure is being built in the accumulators. The higher the wave, the higher the pressure. And this pressure is used to turn the hydro motor, turning a generator, and sending clean electricity into the grid. And what's unique about our technology is that basically it was able to solve the four biggest uh, difficulties that uh, the wave energy industry was struggling with thus far, uh, which is, uh, first of all, high cost. Uh, most of the wave energy developers chose to go offshore, which means four or five kilometers uh, into the sea. And when you go that far into the sea, you need ships, you need divers, you need underwater mooring and cables. And uh, when you're connecting to a breakwater or an ocean structure, this, this is not needed anymore. So the price is much more attractive and cost efficient. The reliability is uh, very good because, uh, again, we don't build in the offshore and uh, in the offshore you can get a wave height of 20 meters and even higher and no man-made stationary equipment can survive a load of a 20 meter wave height. So when you're actually working on breakwaters and structures, you can uh, kind of eliminate this kind of uh, dangers in operating in uh, high waves and also we have a patented storm protection mechanism that when the waves are too high for the system to handle, the floaters automatically rise above the water level and lock in the upward position until the storm passes. And when it passes, the floaters uh, commence operation. Uh, also, our technology is fully insurable, where in, in the past it was very difficult to get insurance mm -hmm. because of the high prices and low reliability. And we're 100% environmentally friendly since we don't create any new presence on the ocean floor, uh, we don't connect at all to the ocean floor, we just connect to existing man-made structures. So that's kind of the four advantages that uh, our technology was able to achieve, which assists the commercialization of the product. 
Yeah. What are the um it would I would think that virtually every country would value what you're uh, presenting with them. But how has the response been? I mean, obviously it looks overwhelmingly positive, but what if there are any concerns that a country may have, what would delay them saying, let's do this immediately, we need this? I think most of the countries that uh, we're working with and that we're considering to work with are very and extremely positive about wave energy. Uh, there is a growing awareness about uh, climate change and uh, the, the negative impacts of uh, pollution from traditional energy generating sources such as oil and coal. Uh, so there is a growing awareness. So most of the countries and governments are very passionate about adding uh, more renewable energy sources into their energy mix, especially a resource like wave energy, which can work in suitable locations 24-7 during the day and also during the night, is definitely a great renewable energy source to add to the mix. I think maybe sometimes the difficulty in really having the technology spread rapidly is uh, the bureaucracy because uh, wave energy is kind of the new kid in the block of renewables okay. and as a result there's not necessarily a regulatory framework in every country there's not necessarily feeding tariffs that are being set for this type of uh, technology and sometimes it takes really the government and the municipalities time to set the proper path uh, in order to deploy this kind of technology on commercial uh, scale. But uh, I truly believe that um, the more power stations we will supply and the more places we will have in the world enjoying the benefits of wave energy, then the bureaucracy around it will become much easier and it would become kind of a standardized uh, yes. technology such as solar and wind, for example. Yeah. Go back to that new kid on the block. There are a number of other companies, uh, I don't know about a number of them, but several that I've seen mm -hmm. that also do, trying to harvest the power of wave energy. I prefer mm -hmm. your system because it just seems simpler, cleaner, and uh, more um, proven. But how do you, is the comp, does there a competition with governments and countries and cities with other wave companies or wave-powered uh, companies? Most of the companies that we've seen, and of course we're very supportive of uh, competition in wave energy because like, we think that when there is a competition, there is a market. Yes, so it's very important to have a number of solutions mm -hmm. and not only one, but the competition that we've seen thus far that are progressing more than the others is mostly offshore technologies. So we don't really see them as direct competitions because of the differences that I stated before. So something that is very, like we don't have at the moment in the market something that's in, in the same niche kind of market that EcoWave Power operates. Okay. So right now we don't see it as a difficulty and I don't think that the government, the municipalities and the ports that are choosing to work with us are, uh, you know, having to think and consider which kind of technology to deploy in their premises since we're oh, kind of uh, uniquely positioned in the market. Yes, definitely. Uh, I went to school at the University of Hawaii, and obviously you know Hawaii, the Hawaiian Islands, and uh, there, uh, I just uh, read recently that uh, they're looking into wa wave power as well, and from what I've seen, it's not as robust because uh, for our audience, we're we're able to see your we your website. It's not mm -hmm. as robust as yours. What's your th uh, thoughts or aspiration? Because there's just so many places that you can be. I mean, how do you even focus on you know one place, locale at a time? 
So first of all, we kind of believe in what uh, our main page in the website says, which is changing the world one wave at a time. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh-huh, so we're yeah. not trying to... <laughs> we're not trying to go everywhere in the same time. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Hawaii, and Hawaii is definitely a dream place for us. Like, really, my personal passion to and desire to build something in Hawaii, and it's, since it's one of the locations uh, in the world with the best waves. Uh, I heard that in the past, the Navy did some attempts in Hawaii. Yes, and, uh, the Navy. But also offshore technologies, which are a bit... Uh, less advanced at this point, unfortunately. So definitely, if we would have an opportunity to do a project in Hawaii, we would be very excited, and it would be one of the projects that we would, you know, execute we'll as get, soon as possible. We'll get on that right yes. away. No, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you, uh, Charlotte. <laughs> you, you remember there? I, I don't recall the channel or a channel in Hawaii that it was uh, your your friend had said the marine biologist. If you're able to access the power in that one spot, you could power the world. Or well, yeah, there's two uh, islands that are volcanoes, and and the water that the water that rushes through mm-hmm. that very small isthmus has this uh, is notable for having it's such a fast current that goes through it, um, and it's you know deep, so you would be able to really maximize something. But I'm looking at your design. I mean, we could any any I think it could be adapted. Yeah, I don't remember. Do you remember the name? He said a name where it's located. Maybe Ina, I don't know if you know, but it's a specific place in Hawaii, maybe one or two, that is it's just incredible. Well, I mean, a lot of places around the world have that power, but it's just because of that that channel just generates a tremendous amount of power. And, and it uh, anyway, so, so Hawaii, it could be on there if you have access to it, correct? Hawaii, together with places like Scotland and Ireland and Portugal and other lo- on Australia and other locations that are really have uh, are open to the seas and to the oceans, are definitely the perfect locations for this type of technology. Since in this type of location, you can generate energy 100% of the time. Uh, so, ahead, so, so, Inya, do you know of the Elemental Accelerator, which is based in Hawaii? That would probably be a shoe-in for you. Check it out. E L E M E N T A. Yeah. I think they contacted us through a Port Excel initiative that uh, we participated in recently. Yeah. And uh, I'm not the one taking care of it personally, but I think we're looking at the possibilities. Yeah, they're looking for you. Ina. Then I'm coming. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ina, how do you um, how do you balance all this? Because it has to be incredibly exciting, and uh, they're just every day would. It would seem to be brand new for you. I mean, no, it is for everybody, but in particular because what are you doing and the impact for the the entire world is, um, in my opinion, quite overwhelming. And I, I'm curious to how how you deal with it and what is your you know life like on a daily basis working with this. Well, first of all, I think that when you really follow your passion and when you really do what you want to do and pursue your dreams, then even if it's takes a lot of time and a lot of energy I don't really think that you feel it on a daily basis because you're like so excited to go there and achieve something good so I think that's definitely something that you know helps out helps in the process of uh, achieving a commercially viable project and achieving the additional site for uh, expansion so as I said the passion is the greatest renewable energy source so and yeah. I have a lot of it 
<laughs> I know I know you do. We're uh, we're going to move into a break real quick here. This is the Modern Architect KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Just Yell Fire is a nonprofit organization that has grown to reach 1.5 million girls and young women across more than 60 countries. Founded by a 14-year-old girl in 2006, Just Yell Fire today offers a variety of programs that empower teens and college women with danger awareness, avoidance information, a dating bill of rights, and even self-defense techniques. To learn more, donate just yellfire.com. We're talking today with Ina Braverman, Israeli entrepreneur and co-founder of EchoWave Power, a renewable energy company. For more information, feel free to visit echowavepower.com. Again, echowavepower.com. Ina, if you're uh, if you're at Liberty, can you share with us one your most your most recent projects? And so right now we're actually the company is focused on an IPO. We're going public on the 18th of July, which is in three days, and we're very excited about it. It's going to be on uh, uh, Nasdaq First North in Stockholm. The goal of the public offering is uh, to execute. Uh, uh, more projects that we have uh, waiting in the pipeline. Uh, we have projects coming up in uh, Portugal, in Italy, in uh, Scotland, in the UK, in Gibraltar, uh, in Israel. So we're definitely very excited to move to the next phase and start the construction of uh, large-scale commercial wave farms. Oh, and, I'd love that. You know, that's what on. Large-scale wave farms. Can you share with our audience who may not be aware of you know, what that might be? So basically, in wave energy so far, most of the construction was kind of proof of concept or small-scale uh, commercial installation, which means in the kilowatt range, uh, by saying commercial wave farms, is similar to commercial, commercial solar or wind farms, meaning a power station in the scale of megawatts. So larger scales, uh, if you want to imagine it, it's like, starting at 200, 300 floaters per site. Okay. 200 to 300, you said? Yes. Okay, so 200 to 300. Wow. So now you're in an IPO. When Think of it from the moment that uh, you met with your co-founder to maybe even soon thereafter. Did you ever, did you envision going, uh, having an IPO with uh, your company? Was that a by design thought process? I don't think that the focus was really on that kind of, uh, you know, we weren't focused on uh, raising the funds in the beginning or weren't focused on a public offering. The focus that we had is really developing a working, cost-efficient, good product that we can feel confident and, and like, feel secure to offer to the market. So the main focus of the company was really the development of such projects, and we said when you do something good, the funding for the expansion will come. And I think this is what we're seeing right now. We did something good. We proved our concept in uh, Gibraltar. We have a grid-connected power station working there since 2016, and now it's time to go to the next level. Yeah. What pro- and really the IPO procedure are assisting us in going to the next level. What projects are uh, in your pipeline? Pipeline in your well, you have actually said it. They're in Portugal, Italy, UK, mm-hmm. I- Israel. Mm-hmm. How large are they? So each project, uh, we're, we're in discussions with different ports and municipalities about different sizes. So they can range anywhere between one megawatt to fifty megawatts. 
so it really ranges in size. Uh, we have an interest from China for a 50 megawatt project. Uh, we have a potential project in Mexico, uh, which should start with about 5 megawatt and be expanded in the future. Uh, we have the project in Gibraltar, which uh, will be expanded from 100 kilowatt to 5 megawatt. So each project is a different size. Usually it really depends on the size of the structure that we have uh, available for us in the location of implementation. Since, uh, again, our goal is not to create a new presence on the ocean floor, but to connect to existing man-made marine structures. Yeah. So really the project size depends on the available space that we have. What's the largest project you can do right now within your capabilities? So a standard size of a commercial breakwater is about three and a half kilometers. On three and a half kilometers in good waves, you can install have an installed capacity of around 50 megawatts. And 50 megawatts are around 50,000 households. So that's kind of the maximal size of the project that we're looking at executing at this point. And maybe in the future we can also expand on those capacities since the technology is fully modular. So basically any size is in basically 50 megawatts, it's 50 units of one megawatt. So it's not a problem to scale or there's no difficulty in scaling the, the project itself. Uh, Enya, it's Charlotte talking. I was wondering where is your equipment made? Is it And is it made from, what's the material? Is it steel or what is it? So... 90% of the equipment, all the hydraulic and the electric and the, and automation system is actually located on land, just like a regular power station. So the generators and the electrical equipment, we actually signed the strategic alliance with Siemens. So Siemens is providing us that part. Most of the parts that are outside of the water are off-the-shelf parts, or so they're easily available, which actually reflects very well on the price of our product. And the floaters themselves, they're made from steel, uh, steel that is painted, of course, uh, in order not to have problems with the corrosion. And uh, we usually produce the actual floaters and all the heavy machinery works, all the civil works locally in each country that we build the power station. So, for example, if we would build in Hawaii, then uh, we will produce the floaters and all the heavy steel equipment in Hawaii. And that, I think, the local populations, they really appreciate it because it helps in creating a new industry, helps in creating additional workplaces. So beyond just getting clean electricity, they also get additional benefits. Wow. How much of your work is not just the technical, but the actually the public relations just to expose people to the... Uh, the impact of wave energy, have you, I don't know if you've ever done your own personal percentage, that might be kind of boring, but just for the sake of our audience, how much of it is actually just interfacing with the public about EcoWave power and the advantages and benefits to uh, humans? Listen, first of all, I think that the media's role and responsibility in promoting and supporting renewable energy, not just wave energy, is very integral and very important since the media is a very powerful tool for creating awareness and support for renewable energy, which is something that renewable energy needs in order to succeed. Uh, so I, I'm always glad to collaborate with different uh, media channels and uh, resources. Yeah. The company itself does not devote a lot of like really working time on the, as you call it, PR, Okay. because we were lucky enough to have a very positive organic uh, press. 
that is derived from the accomplishments that we were able to achieve in this field. So, again, we were lucky enough to have a great coverage without really having to work for, you know, the actual PR. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of come to you. I'm on a, a bit of, uh, not a bit, I am, I have a purpose to help companies and organizations become their own media source. What I mean by that is you would be dialing up or, or uh, directing the agenda and uh, controlling the narrative so that, well, you may not have this issue, but sometimes, oftentimes uh, companies or organizations, when they're with their media relations, they're, they're, there's a lot of incorrect intelligence. What I mean by that is to say you're, you're, you're doing a project in Gibraltar and whatever the size is and the people involved. Traditional media will, will make note of that. However, there could be misspelling of people's names, the size of the projects, the money involved in the projects. Whereas if you as a company are actually you controlling the narrative of your own story, you're likely to have the, the facts be stated as facts. I don't know how you, maybe I'm reaching a bit on that, but in, in essence, becoming your own media source. And then the media becomes secondary or third. Listen, our goal, as I said, we're very open and very collaborative with any media from any country and from every any city, no matter of the size of the media. Like, so whenever I have time and uh, there is interest, I'm available and, uh, you know, to give the correct info and try to deliver the message that we want to deliver. I understand that, you know, we cannot control the everything in the world, so maybe some uh, messages are uh, independently drafted by uh, independent media sources. Yes. But uh, from our point of view, we're always very glad to collaborate and clarify, and we're very open to this yeah. kind of uh, discussion. Excellent. Go ahead, Charlotte. Charlotte has a question. Oh, Ina, I think uh, for the benefit of other young entrepreneurs or just entrepreneurs out there. Can you discuss how it is that you approached Siemens or Siemens approached you and, and how that kind of collaboration, you know, was was executed? Was it like, a, you know, is it like an MOU that, that evolves after many conversations or how does that work? I think a lot of entrepreneurs are always eager to understand, you know, how these th- kind of things move forward. So with Siemens specifically, uh, we use the their generators for the Gibraltar project, for the Gibraltar project, and uh, they were not directly involved at that phase, but I guess they heard about the fact that we're using uh, their electrical equipment partially, and then we got contact with the local uh, Siemens uh, branch here in Israel, and they have very good uh, technical abilities and very good engineers which are experts in renewable energy, and they offered to help us upgrade and improve the electrical part of the technology as part of a strategic alliance where EWP will use Siemens part and Siemens will assist the positive upgrading of the technology. And that's kind of how uh, it evolved. It evolved very naturally. Okay. Yeah. It's organic. <laughs> <laughs> it's organic. Yeah. Now, if you're at liberty to share with us, you know, maybe some of the challenges that you overcome at least especially initially with the echo wave power can you share those you know if if any incidents or situations you can recall or even at liberty to share with us at like uh, what were your initial challenges the initial challenges i think uh, kind of what i stated before so first of all that uh, wave energy although for many years or even decades it has been known that wave energy is a huge 
potential energy sources can produce twice the amount of electricity that the world produces now. The fact that really there has been no big wave farms or successful commercialization attempts, I think that kind of prevented from uh, government and municipalities to make policies and uh, you know determine feeding tariffs and uh, so on for wave energy. So I think given the lack of policies, it makes it a bit difficult to promote commercial infrastructure projects, so, which, I will, which I think that would definitely change as soon as there are more commercial wave farms out there. That I think was the biggest difficulty and, and maybe a little bit even the kind of the perception about wave energy because people don't seem to remember that every success once started with a failure not really a success because, for example, the first solar energy power station that opened, they were crazy high prices and very low capacity factor. It was the same thing with wind. Uh, but in the recent years, in the last 15 to 20 years, solar and wind energy, you can almost see it anywhere. You travel, you see wind turbines, you see solar panels on rooftops and in ports and everywhere. So it kind of became a given. But nobody remembered the time that nobody wanted to hear about solar and wind. So wave energy is the same thing. We need to go through the time where it's not a consensus, kind of develop the product that everybody wants in their backyard, kind of, let's call it, and then uh, it would become implemented everywhere. Yeah. You touch again about the, the commercial factor of wave energy. It just seems like such a natural fit. But, uh, Charlotte, we... Oh, I think it'd be... I've actually studied some different wave energy opportunities for uh, the coast of Chile. And I think it's fascinating that most people don't understand maybe the difference in the, the competitive advantages that you have. Maybe you want to go into those, and, and I just speak of, like, the one that seems, like, obvious of really, you know, awesome ideas to put, you know, the equipment on the bottom of the ocean, and, you know, you're catching all this these wave forces down there. But then again, people forget uh, fundamental things like, like, well, do you really want to put your, you know, generating equipment underwater? It's not really convenient, you know. So there's there's like a lot of different. Well, there's maybe four or five different configurations for wave energy and tidal, you know. So it's uh, uh, anyway. I think it's. I think you have a, a your design is like has a huge competitive advantage over most anything I've ever seen. So you might want to brag on yourself by comparing to the others. Bragging a brag, please. <laughs> You're doing such a great job. I don't want to disturb. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if you can't put your configuration, if you can put them vertically up and down legs of drilling platforms. We're also looking into that. Where actually it can be connected to any type of structure. So definitely oil drilling platform or gas drilling platforms can be a very good uh, fit for that sense uh, they have difficulty of getting electricity, so usually they burn diesel yeah. uh, in order to put electricity on the platform, and diesel is both polluting and very expensive. So definitely wave energy can be a good solution for them price-wise and environment-wise. Yeah, well, I hope that happens soon. Yeah, so there really is no... Um, I'm going to use the metaphor again, is, is uh, the wave power is... is uh, it's infinite and endless. It is, is it not? Yeah, waves are infinite. You know what? Here's why I say that. I remember um, when I was first going to school, I went to school, as I said, at the University of Hawaii. And uh, before uh, I, I started my classes, I was with a cousin of mine, and uh, he pulled a tag off, or he found a tag on the, 
a floor. We were we must have been shopping or something, but he put, and he said, "Here, this is for you." And he shoved it like right at my chest, and it was this big mm-hmm. big sticker, and it had a giant wave on there. And I and, and uh, I said, "What'd you give me?" And he goes, "Because oh, this is how you I think you think," and it was a brand. I don't know what the brand is. May not even been around, but it said waves, infinite, and endless, and you're tapping into that source. How do you see, like, do you even have any in further, I'm sure you have vision, but do you have a f- further vision for Echo Wave Power? If you want to share, if not, that's okay too. But like for at what point is there you, uh, do you want to kind of sit back and go, wow, this is either going further or bigger or larger than I ever thought, or and the impact is even greater, or no, we want to be get involved with, um, okay, um, this is long-winded, but like Amazon, they sold books. Now they're they're into everything. At some point, is wave power going to be into almost every facet of energy? Listen, I think at some point, definitely wave energy will be in any suitable location for wave energy. Same as happening now with solar and wind. The world is a huge place. The market will develop, and we will see more commercial wave farms starting to appear everywhere. And the goal for eco-wave power is really to install in all our uh, dream places that I made, mentioned before. Yes, your dream places, yes. Uh, so I would like to see wave energy on every breakwater and in every port, since ports have very negative carbon footprint because of the shipping industry. And uh, ports are very big uh, consumers of electricity. And ports also have breakwaters, which are huge cement or rock-based structures that are not used for anything but breaking the waves. So it's not like a prime real estate. So you take something that's already there, you turn it into a clean source of electricity, and you give the electricity to a nearby facility that actually needs it. Mm-hmm. And that can uh, you know, decrease the carbon footprint of that facility. So I really think that wave energy is very possible, uh, very very positive, especially when it's done in that way. And my big dream is really seeing it everywhere. Yeah, seeing it everywhere. Well, I do have one more comment. Oh, sure. go ahead, Charlie. <laughs> well, it would strike me that, you know, if there's blackouts, which there was just a blackout in New York City, but your equipment would always be working. So it's good for not just backup power, but you know, round-the-clock power that nobody can refute. Listen, if there is a blackout or there's no blackout, renewable energy in its, in all its different versions, so sun, wind, wave, tidal, any type of renewable energy is good for the world. According to the World Health Association, one out of seven people in the world currently die premature death directly because of air pollution. That's horrible numbers. So I really think that we need to start being more aware. Our generation needs to take responsibility for the future generation of leaving them a better world and a cleaner world. And that's why I think any source of renewable should be taken seriously, should be supported, and should be commercialized. Can your system work on a tidal tidal wave river, say like the Yangtze or something like that, where the the tide, tide is going in and out of the mouth of the river? So we're mostly working on waves, which meaning like the up and down movement yeah. of water. So Not from our point of view, the higher the wave, the better the generation will be. In a river, there are some rivers that are very wavy, but uh, th- in the rivers, usually the waves are derived only from wind. Whereas in the ocean, waves can be created even with no wind. 
So usually we will have higher capacity factor in open ocean and seas. Uh, but of course we can look at any site individually according to its own characteristics. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. The International Committee of the Red Cross and Red Crescent is an impartial, neutral, and independent humanitarian organization. It protects the lives and dignity of victims of war and internal violence and coordinates international relief activities. The ICRC also seeks to prevent suffering by promoting and strengthening humanitarian laws and principles. For more information or to donate, visit icrc.org. We're talking today with Ina Braverman, Israeli entrepreneur and co-founder of EchoWave Power, a renewable energy company. For more information, you can visit echowavepower.com. Again, echowavepower.com. That's E-C-O, wavepower.com. Ina, can you describe what it's like when you see a project completed or at least in, in operation and... Uh, the look on everyone's face and just what, what, if you can describe the general energy of the people when, when they see a completed project or a project that's uh, in the process of being completion, can you share that with, uh, with your audience today? Well, first of all, for me, it's super exciting. Like that's my baby. That's my passion. Seeing a project really built and up and running. That's like a huge satisfaction for me. Uh, in terms of uh, comments from people that visit the project, and uh, for example, the project in Gibraltar is visited a lot by the European Union and by even some schools visited the project, so some investors, so really different type of uh, people. And uh, everybody were really like astonished and everybody were very positively uh, surprised by the you know, you actually see with your eyes how wave energy is being converted to power. It's not something that you get to see on a, a daily basis. Uh, I think uh, especially given the fact that uh, most of the technology was offshore, so you couldn't visit it since all the generators were offshore and inside floaters, definitely that uh, the ability to visit and to see how uh, wave energy in real life is being turned into clean source of electricity is something that is very, uh, you know, interesting. Mm. Are you able to turn it off, Ina? What I mean by turn it off is it's constantly the company's on your mind, the future's on your mind, the projects are on your mind. Is there any sort of downtime or this is just obviously everything you're about, at least at this point in your life? I'm kind of addicted at this point. <laughs> okay. <That laughs> I even be. wake up in the middle of the night and I read emails. Uh, really? Uh, which is not very healthy. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, listen, it's an exciting time for the company. It's a very busy time for the company where we're looking at new and exciting projects. And as I said, we're in the process of going public. So, like, a lot of things are happening in the same time. So, I think it's kind of... Uh, you know, it makes sense that uh, a lot of my time would be devoted to it. Sure. Yeah. What was the was there a, dis a deciding factor to go public with your company? I mean, you don't have to share the date or time, but I'm mean, uh, curious. Sure. Yeah, we can share. So first okay. of all, uh, a lot of our uh, business deals and uh, agreements, power purchase agreements, are with governments and uh, public electrical companies. Uh, or governmentally owned electrical companies. So I think they like working with public companies because of the mm. transparency and the openness associated to it. So that's uh, definitely a positive thing uh, for us. And uh, we decided to go public specifically on uh, 
NASDAQ, Stockholm First North, because uh, they have uh, many comparable companies which are doing very well. So the public there both is familiar with renewable energy and supportive of renewable energy. About 53% of all Sweden's energy is produced through renewable energy. So that definitely makes it an amazing market for us. And since the market in Sweden is NASDAQ, uh, we definitely see that market as an amazing stepping stone to NASDAQ uh, United States. Yeah, I'm also curious. Was it a, a moment that you said, you know what, guys, look, we have to go, we need to go public if we want this? Like, you know, were you at a, a, a bar, a cafe, a restaurant, where, where, you know, where, where that finally came together where you all shared the same mindset where, you know, I think we need to make that. Do you remember the moment? or moments? First of all, no bars or cafe. We just agree that I'm addicted to work. <laughs> okay. so maybe the fluorescent in the office is the most uh, light that I'm getting recently. Okay. But uh, I'm joking. But uh, <laughs> we decided uh, to go public because it was the natural, logical step for the company. Since the company gathered a significant amount of interest and projects in its pipeline from uh, different countries around the world and in order to actually be able to grow, grow the team and uh, to be able to support financially the construction of those power stations, we definitely needed to take one step forward. Have more human resources, have more financial resources and uh, I think have more transparency uh, for the public companies and for the government. And I think really going public was just a step that really made sense. Excellent. How does your family take all this? Is it just, it's just remarkable what you're doing. If you can share with your, your audience again, how, how does your family take, or your immediate friends take, wow, you're, you're uh, on such a, embarking on such a, um, a grand scale that not a lot of people do this. Oh, I think and I hope that everybody are very proud. I don't want to speak for anybody. Okay. Uh, my mom is kind of, okay, that's nice, but when are you going to get married? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, a Jewish mother as well. I have a, my mother's Jewish. Exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you know what I'm speaking about. Yes. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> so that's nice, but when you... Now, yeah, yeah so everyone else, it's just, it's, a, it's such a remarkable climb, and I, I know that's not, it's not the end of it. Do you, you know, okay, are there ever moments when you're on your own, especially after a project or when a project's close to completion, that you just kind of sit back with yourself and just kind of talk to yourself or, uh, you know, talk with God, however you do it, to where it just kind of overwhelms you in a way? Overwhelms what, positively? Of course, positively. There, yeah. ne there's no, never mind any negativity, all positive. <laughs> Listen, definitely, again, I don't know if overwhelms is the right word to use, but... Uh, when we are closing a new project or closing or getting a, a new set of licenses or like I'm always saying that being like an entrepreneur, especially in a new field, is a bit like a heart attack, you know, when sometimes <laughs> it's up, sometimes it's down, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down when you're looking at the, you know, at the papers. So, <laughs> again, I like it that you said, yeah, yes, <laughs> like the waves, like the EKG, right? The readings. It's, exactly, it's, exactly. Like the EKG of a person having a heart attack. It's super high and super low. Uh, so, no, but of course, when you get in a new project, you're super excited, especially when you're uh, completing the project and delivering it. The process itself is not always easy since there's a lot of things to take care. But uh, I think the whole overall 
the whole process of EcoWave Power was very positive. Uh, we, we achieved a lot since uh, we established the company in 2011, and we hope and aspire to achieve even more. I'm sure. Another question, it's, it may seem a little silly, and I like to be silly sometimes, is I, I mm-hmm. noticed in the research for our show that you, you, uh, you and I think is it David, are in the water with your uh, dress attire. Yeah. Who was the inspiration for that? <laughs> so uh, it was an article actually in uh, the magazine uh, of the uh, Pikte Bank. Uh, they made a very uh, inspirational article about the future of wave energy and about our company. And actually the vision behind uh, standing in the water was of Pikte Bank. So we can take the credit. Okay. But uh, definitely the pictures came out very uh, Cute. Y- yes, it did. Now, did you were the were the clothes repairable or no? Were the <laughs> were you able to dry clean them or no? Because of course I was able to dry clean them. If not, I wouldn't go into the water with them. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why this show we we don't just like to talk you know facts and figures here. We uh, we want to get into the the real story of it. So, how, other than work, which is your full time. Is there anything else that you do, you know, yoga, do you run, do you jog? Because it just seems so um, all-consuming, but in a very good way. But uh, uh, I'm just seeing, like, are there any outlets that you have that uh, you want to share or maybe you don't want to share to relieve that stress or when that heart, that EKG goes down that you're able to kind of bring it back up? So uh, I'm not so much into sports. But uh, when I want to relax, I go and I sit on the beach, and usually the water is a very uh, relaxing source for me, very soothing source for me. And uh, I read. Uh, reading books is uh, definitely something that distracts me from, from uh, like, you know, anything that I'm thinking about work-related. Uh, sometimes see friends, and that kind of assist in that. So, you know. Well, uh, that's a that's a good omen because I think uh, Bill Gates in her, his early days he used to take an enormous bag of books and go to the beach and read for for a few days in Brazil. <laughs> that was Bill. That was Bill Gates's way to decompress. He would pack up like you know a hundred books and go read them on the beach. I hope I continue in the path of Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> you, you definitely you definitely are. Are there any like do you have any favorite quotes or mantras? Uh, that you uh, li- not, maybe not live by, but did you kind of say to yourself to kind of keep that uh, EKG balanced, Ina? Are there any uh, f- famous words or any, you know, whatever you do to keep your your spirits always up because you're very, very positive? Listen, again, uh, I don't know if I have certain mantras that I say to myself uh, <laughs> when I'm feeling down, but I just remind myself that... Uh, I'm doing it for a good cause, and my heart is in the right place. Yes. And uh, it's a very important mission for me. It's a very personal mission for me, since I really kind of experienced from firsthand the impact of pollution and what it can cause. And I think that's enough. When when you remember why you're doing what you're doing, I think that's definitely something that makes you feel better. So do you play a musical instrument? No, I'm horrible. <laughs> no, you're not horrible, but okay, so... Int- and I have a vo- the, voice, the worst singing voice ever, so don't ask Well, it strikes me that the design of your equipment is, uh, it looks like a like piano keys, and the and the wave, the waves will be playing the piano keys, especially as they extend mm-hmm. out on a on a large pier. Nice, so, uh, so, nice insight. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a different design of any, any wave 
or tidal wave energy equipment I've ever seen. So it's a very, very interesting. I think you've, you've cracked the crack the nut here. And you know what? It's also theatrical because if you wanted to conduct a light show with a music show and it could yeah, power, you could do it. You, it can be done. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm... We're, yeah, we're, we're actually quite serious. You could, we're actually quite serious. We <laughs> hope you come and put it on the Oakland Bay Bridge. Wow. No, you really could have a light show with the music and yeah. boy, that would get everybody's yeah. attention. That's very creative. We'll definitely consider... Oh, yeah, we, we, we have the people who can do light shows and, and the music. That's yeah, for be sure. careful. If you bring it to Silicon Valley. Come, a- do, it in Come do it in Gibraltar. I'll be glad to assist you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll do that with, with the whole symphony, and then it'll, go, it'll be worldwide recognition that actually, you know what? It, it, it reminds me of um, fireworks. You know how people usually do fireworks when it's uh, an occasion, typically, you know, a celebration of some sort. You can have a celebration almost nightly. <laughs> Of <laughs> the waves and the music and the lights. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you can see. See, we've been here at uh, Stanford a little too young, too long. Because you, uh-huh. we start thinking of all, all the possibilities. What else have we not talked about that you would like to share with us, Ina? Uh, listen, I would really like to, again, restate that wave energy is an amazing resource. It can produce a significant amount of electricity for the world. Most of the world is currently living on the coastline, which uh, definitely makes wave energy very rational and a logical thing to implement. And uh, thank you very much for your time and thank you very much for your interview. You're great and your questions were really one of the, some of the most creative ones that uh, I ever encountered. Oh, thank and you very much. And spreading the world. We we definitely will. And yes, we'll we'll, uh, see you in Gibraltar with the light show. Definitely. I will be waiting. Excellent. Look forward to it. It's been an honor, Ina. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Ina Braverman, Israeli entrepreneur and co-founder of EchoWave Power, a renewable energy company. EchoWave Power is an advanced and innovative international wave power developer headquartered in Israel. The company was established after a period of conceptualizing and planning for a new and competitive wave energy technology. Ina's was recently chosen as one of the 100 most influential individuals in the world by Medium.com. For more information, feel free to visit EchoWavePower.com. Again, EchoWavePower.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location throughout California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. Today, the recording engineer is Charlotte M. Thornton, the chief engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Akshay Hyagi. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews with an S at kzsu.stanford.edu. Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals Use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. 
we at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect. Thank you.